Chapter 9 of The Romance of Modern Electricity This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Martin Hill The Romance of Modern Electricity by Charles R. Gibson Chapter 9 Some Early Attempts at Telegraphy an ingenious surgeon in Scotland invents an electric telegraph 150 years ago. Other inventors. The great difficulty these early experimenters had to contend with. The beginnings of the practical telegraph. 30 connecting wires reduced to one single wire. A very easily satisfied British government. One would not expect to find any attempt at telegraphy in the days when man's only knowledge of electricity was its wild and sudden discharge from an electrical machine. And yet there exist on record several very interesting attempts in those days prior to Volta's taming of electricity into a peacefully tractable current, as we have it from batteries. It is evident that some attempts to transmit intelligence by electricity were made as far back as the middle of the 16th century although the records of these are somewhat vague, and appear to have been carried out by some monks in a German monastery. In the Scots magazine of February 1st, 1753, there appeared a letter describing a practical electric telegraph worked by a primitive electrical machine. The letter was merely signed CM, and was written from Renfrew, a small town on the River Clyde, a few miles below Glasgow. The one property of electricity with which this ingenious writer would be most familiar was doubtless the attraction between an electrified body and any light object placed near it, and so it occurred to him that if he could charge a long connecting wire between two places, then the distant end would attract a small piece of paper placed close to it. Having determined that this could be done, he set up 26 separate wires, connecting his dwelling to a distant cottage in the village. The wires were supported on insulators at short distances apart, being fixed at each of the two distant ends in a bar of solid glass, leaving about six inches of wire extending beyond the glass fixture. These six-inch ends were stiffened so that if depressed, they would spring back to their horizontal position. These free ends were then placed immediately above the glass cylinder of an electrical machine so that while the machine was excited by rotating it, any of these 26 ends could be pressed down to touch the cylinder, and thus the whole length of this particular wire would receive a charge of electricity. At a point close to where each wire entered the solid glass fixture, the inventor suspended a short piece of wire with a metal ball at its extremity, there being, therefore, 26 separate balls. Immediately under each ball, he placed a small piece of paper, bearing one letter of the alphabet upon it. This arrangement was, of course, carried out at both ends of the line wire. To signal the letter A, the operator, having set the electrical machine in motion, would take a piece of solid glass in his hand, and, depressing the end of the first wire, till it touched the cylinder, he would charge the whole of that wire, so that the suspended metal ball at each end would attract its particular paper marked A. The person at the receiving end would take note of A, while the operator would see by the attraction of A at his own end, 
that the wire had been sufficiently charged. In the same way, all the 26 letters of the alphabet could be signalled in any desired order, thus enabling intelligible messages to be sent. The inventor says that the letters were contrived to fall back into their proper places, so he may possibly have had a small glass division for each letter to rise and fall within. The inventor also suggested, among other arrangements, that each of the little metal balls might by attraction be made to strike against a little gong, there being 26 gongs of different sounds, and the person using the apparatus would, as the inventor said, soon understand the language of the bells. In this suggestion we have the first idea of a sounder telegraph, and it is by sound signals that most telegraph messages are now received. The great difficulty in working any such apparatus as that just described would be to prevent the high-tension charge from making a dash to earth through every possible means of escape, and in this connection it will be of interest to note a few sentences from the inventor's letter. He writes, Some may perhaps think that although the electric fire has not been observed to diminish sensibly in its progress through any length of wire that has been tried hitherto, yet as that has never exceeded 30 or 40 yards, it may be readily supposed that in a far greater length it would be remarkably diminished and probably would be drained off in a few miles by the surrounding air. To prevent this objection and save further argument, lay over the wires from one end to the other with a thin coating of jeweler's cement. This may be done for a trifle additional expense, and as it is an electric per se, will effectually secure any part of the fire from mixing with the atmosphere. Here we have, at this early date, the idea of an insulated wire, as used for almost all electrical purposes at the present time. It is interesting to note that the mental picture which this ingenious man formed of electricity was that of a fire, which thought was very natural, owing to the appearance of a spark at any point where the electricity suddenly escaped from one body to another. The late Sir David Brewster made particular search to discover the history of this anonymous letter writer, C.M., and his efforts met with a certain amount of success. He first of all found out that a very clever man had lived in Paisley in 1791, that he came from Renfrew, which is only a few miles distant, and that it was reported of this genius that he could light a house with coal reek smoke and make lightning speak and write. At a later date, Sir David Brewster found that this man's name was Charles Morrison, who was a native of Greenock, but practised for some time as a surgeon in Renfrew, and ultimately became connected with the tobacco trade in Glasgow. Morrison was counted a wizard, and his neighbours believed him to be in concert with the devil, because of the apparently supernatural power he had of sending messages to a distant cottage. He ultimately went out to Virginia, US, where he died. Another early form of telegraph suggested was that the sender and the receiver should each have a good clock with the letters of the alphabet painted round the dial, and the two clocks keeping accurate time, the second hands, would point to the same letter on each dial at the same moment. By a connecting wire between the distant places, a laden jar was made to spark at the moment the hand was opposite the letter that the sender wished to telegraph the receiver also noting the letter indicated on his clock at the moment when the spark occurred. The first idea of this inventor had been the very primitive method of striking 
with some object in his hand, upon the bottom of a copper stewpan at the moment his clock was at the desired letter. But it is evident that this method of using sound could not have extended to any great distance. His subsequent system of using the charged Leyden jar only required one wire, but the difficulty of keeping the charge to the wire would necessarily worry the inventor if he tried it over a distance. A very similar and better known invention was Ronald's electric telegraph, in which the dials of the clocks moved round, bringing the letters of the alphabet painted upon them into view successively through an aperture in a covering case. When the desired letter appeared in the slot, a signal was sent by discharging a wire at the end of which a pair of electrified pith balls, suspended by two threads, repelled each other until the discharge took place, whereupon they immediately came together by gravity. By this primitive method, the words of the message were slowly built up. After Volta's introduction of batteries, the idea of electric telegraphy became more practicable. While these two last-mentioned experiments were carried out with only one connecting wire, yet it was a long time before inventors could dismiss from their minds the idea that a reliable telegraph would require a great number of connecting wires. Even one of the greatest French scientists, Ampère, suggested an instrument which required as many as 30 connecting wires. And under the end of each, there was to be placed a small magnetic needle. A few years later, a German professor proposed putting the 30 little magnets inside as many coils, instead of merely under the single wires. By this means, the effect of the current on the magnet was greater. An instrument of this kind was exhibited at the Royal Institution of London in 1830, in which telegraph 26 wires, coils and magnets were used. It was several years before anyone suggested that one wire with a single coil and magnet would serve the purposes of signalling. To give even an abstract of all the early inventions in telegraphy would occupy a good deal of space, although every inventor who was bold enough to approach the government of his day regarding his invention received the somewhat discouraging reply that telegraphs of any kind other than those now in use are entirely unnecessary, as the government are fully satisfied with the semaphore system. How would the government of today feel if instead of the electric telegraph they had to be satisfied with sending intelligence by means of optical semaphores as used from one ship to another at close quarters? End of chapter 9